Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm a feminist, but... (laughs) Hello, Edinburgh! (laughs) We're back. It's been a couple of years, but that was only because in London we had a global pandemic. Um, And I'm a feminist, but... It is true, there is a woman in Edinburgh who my friends and I call the witch... That is because she once brought on, by request, Carrie Ed Lloyd's period. (laughs) This is a true story. Her name's Jill McLaggen. She works just opposite Bristol Square, where we are, in the Napier, you know, the the clinic there when you can have the special massages. They are not massages if you go to Jill. (laughs) I've done psychedelics. And they are more akin to experiencing the afterlife and feeling and understanding that your energy is just part of the earth and there's nothing to fear beyond death. And they're only like 60 quid. And one time, and this is true, Carrie Ed went to her and went, oh, I've been at the fringe. You know at the fringe, it fucks you up. And Carrie Ed wouldn't mind me telling you this at all. And if she does, it's too late. <laughs> if she kills me, Jess Foster, you can go on Griefcast and talk about it. Now, I... 
She'll commission a, a witch to kill you. She won't do it herself. Why would you get her hands Oh, that's dirty? actually a good point. No, I mean, a good witch, obviously. Um, but she goes to Jill McLagan and says, oh, you know, in, at the fringe of your performing, everything gets fucked up because you get so anxious and you don't sleep properly and you don't eat properly. And, and they force you to drink all night here as well. I don't know if you know this with comedians. You're, you have to. It's council zoning. And... <laughs> And so she was just like, oh, I don't know, I can't get my period, and I really feel all this period, just pain, and blah, blah, blah. And Jill said, would it be convenient to get it this afternoon? And she said, yes. And then she just did some special pressing, and it came. Now, when Jill has been pressed on this, much like she pressed on Cariad, and she said, no, if you know where to push, it's, fun. it's not witchcraft. None of us believe it. Jill McLagan is the witch. Book yourself an appointment now. I'm a feminist, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was sitting in summer hall in the courtyard having a drink, and like absolutely every single other person in the courtyard at summer hall, I was studiously pretending that I didn't know that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was also sitting in the courtyard. At a very good job of being like, I'm very cool about Phoebe Waller-Bridge being sitting in the courtyard of some hall. And then, without her consent, I took a selfie with her in the background. Oh, oh my God. Mm. Really? You, yeah. You've got a flea bag selfie. Was it, to be fair, all that was was you doing a look to camera. That's true. She can't yeah. complain about yeah. that because she invented the look to camera. Yeah, and in my head, she is always the audience <laughs> in my own personal fourth wall. Yeah, that's actually a great point. If you send that to me, I'll text it to her okay. and say... I'm not sure I wanted to know, Deb, to be honest. No, I, I, and then I'll send her black tie and then she'll put it in a TV show and you and she will become best friends. I mean, you know, you heard it here first. We're recording this, so it is legally binding. Take Tom, cut out the bit where I said you become best friends. Just in case she she still listens and I'm speaking on her behalf. Mm. She doesn't still listen, let's be honest. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but... A couple of days ago, my friends were up with their kids and I I picked up their two-year-old who was particularly filthy and like covered in mud and bogeys and he um, he stuffed his filthy little two-year-old hand right down the top of my t-shirt and really grabbed hold of my really groped me on the tit um, <laughs> and I thought still got it <laughs> um, and this kid he's only got two words right one of them's mummy um, I thought still got it worse I said <laughs> to the two-year-old still got it <laughs> um, and he went no <laughs> that's the only other word yeah good isn't it the best story I've ever heard and the worst yeah oh there we go I'm a feminist but I needed to uh, go on the radio and talk about the lionesses win so amazing and I did have to quickly google was it the world cup or the euros (laughs) it's no reflection on them I watched I cheered I was so excited I jumped up out of my chair like a proper football watcher like I only ever do on Ted Lasso and I've never done it for any other football except Ted Lasso and the lionesses implying that I may not be a real football fan to some, uh, but I didn't... I think think it's the Euros. I want to say the Euros. It was the Euros, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I know it might not have been as exciting in Scotland, but were you excited as feminists watching women? Just give us a cheer if you're Scottish. Of course you all are. The trains aren't working. (laughs) 
My, um... The English can't get here. It's your dream. My government... My... It's your dream. If the bin men were working... Were, if, if the bin men... If the bin people were paid properly... Oh, God. I've said bin men. I'm not meant to say that. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Uh, I was in Snacks the other day. I don't know if anyone knows Snacks. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is a greasy uh, uh, breakfast place. We have breakfast there. I was having a fry-up with my friends, and a woman behind us decided she was going to have a fry-up, but she brought her own avocado. <laughs> so you can take her out gentrification, but you can't take gentrification out of her. <laughs> Did you judge her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you having a greasy fry-up that was four pounds, and you brought yourself an avocado to this place. Did you give her any looks... Do you know what I mean? Did you throw a look? I, I gave her a... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been enough. That, if you'd given me that look, I would have just packed my avocado up and gone, I know, I've been wrong, I'll leave. I'll back the fuck out. Um, are we ready to start the show? Then welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist. Here, live in Edinburgh, please give it up for Grace Petrie, Jess Foster Q, Sakisa, and are uh, yourselves. Yeah. Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. We're so delighted to be back. We're so delighted I brought my cape. Yeah. It says Guilty Feminist on the back. It was made by Despicable Daisy, who is, in fact, in Dublin. Um, I wear a cape because I feel more like... I'm not saying I'm going to be able to smash the patriarchy, but I feel like if I am going to be able to do it, it's more likely to be done in this cape. Just because, you know, costume does give you airs, doesn't it? It just sort of makes you think, yeah, I can do that. You know, do you know what I mean? I don't think I've ever done anything wonderful in my pyjamas. Now, actually, that's not true. Anyway, um, this is obviously all ad-libbed. Um, are we, are we, can, can we warm wash this a bit more? Because I feel still a bit I'm walking between spots. Is that right? Or no, am I wrong? Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you to our wonderful technicians of Edinburgh. We only started this show yesterday. The day before yesterday, they were doing somebody else who probably had dry ice and a, and a snow cone or something like that. Big round of applause for all the techs of Edinburgh. <laughs> Trying to chuckle between shows. We turn up wanting warm washers left, right and centre. They haven't slept in three weeks. Um, it's exciting, exciting to see you, Edinburgh. And I've been going around the country... And as I've been going around the country, I have been asking for acts of feminism. If anyone's been listening to the podcast, just give us a cheer if you listen to the podcast. Woo! Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Woo! Okay, uh, it's a podcast. So, uh, this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast about our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities, which... Thank you. That makes me feel like such a rock star. <laughs> it's like going, she loves you. See, I'm basically the Beatles. <laughs> I, think, I think that's how we need to look at it. I am so excited uh, to be here. And as I said, I've been going around the country asking people for acts of feminism since we were allowed out. Because this has always been a live show since day one. Day one, this has been a live show. And I think a lot of the success of the podcast is the people at home listening and hearing the kind of laughter or the anger or the cheers or the approval of the crowd. Going, yes, we're an army. It's not just me and a comedian and an activist in a box going, yeah, we're all right. We believe in each other. It's, it's, it's you guys that actually make it. So through... I don't know if I'm allowed to say... Should I say guys anymore? 
What's another word? Gang. I should have thought of one by now. I usually say gang, but you gang doesn't sound right, does it? You all. Folks. Folks, I know, but it doesn't sound natural coming out of me. It sounds like cultural appropriation when I say folks. Sounds like I think I'm either American or Scottish, and I'm neither of those things. I'm a bit Irish. What do they say? Lads. That's worse than guys, isn't it? I don't know, but I like... I mean, I love... Again, lads, I think, is gender-neutral, if said by an Irish person. Yeah, it is, it is, it is gender-neutral, but I'm not Irish enough. The fact that my biological father, who does not know I exist, has an Irish last name, I don't think qualifies me for lads. Or notions, which, by the way, I have. I'm wearing this. Um, Now... Uh, I've been asking for acts of feminism since I saw you last because we had this horrible Zoom era. I don't know if you remember it, where I couldn't go out and meet people, so you couldn't hear the crowd. And so I've been so ever since I've got back out, all I've wanted to do is talk to the audience, to be honest, and go, "You're still here. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm sorry about the Zoom era. Um, it was a sad. It was sadder. And and I just want you back. So I've been asking, what have you done since I saw you last? Because it's been a couple of years. Have you done any acts of feminism? But the first time I asked this, someone in London put her hand up and she'd done this incredible, extraordinary act of feminism that had cost £250,000, which she'd had to raise. And she changed the precedent in law. And everyone was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then I said, anyone else? And everyone else went, no, 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 I've done nothing with my life. I've done, I don't know why I call myself a feminist. I'm a waste of space. So I had to then say, okay, let's lower the bar. So what I've been asking for first is an act of feminism so small it would intimidate nobody. So something that's going to make everyone else here feel like I can do better than that. Has anyone got an act of feminism so small? Now, when I was in Stratford and Avon, someone put her hand up and said, I co-founded. I said, no, I don't even want to hear the end of the sentence. Most people have co-founded nothing and never will. You have to understand and then someone else in Stratford-upon-Avon said, I had, didn't shave my leg for six weeks as a feminist act, but I was coming out tonight in a dress, and I thought, actually. Um, that's the kind of act of feminism we're looking for. Tiny, meaningless, and unsuccessful. Um, has anyone got anything? Any, yes. My boyfriend's a lot shorter than me. My boyfriend's a lot shorter than me. Well done. Well done. How does that feel like when you're walking down the street holding hands? I feel dominant. You feel dominant? <laughs> Is that a good feeling? Yeah. It's a good feeling. Okay, excellent. He loves it. He loves it. it but it's not about that. <laughs> How do you know for him it's not about that? They don't tell you the truth. <laughs> no, I, um, I, that's wonderful. My husband is also a bit shorter than me um, and it annoys me. Now... <laughs> I don't know if that makes me more or less feminist than you, because I stay with him. Um, anybody else? Anybody else got something small? Yes. You stopped pretending you were blonde. You still look blonde to me, though. Oh, you've gone grey. So you've just gone, I'm not blonde, I'm grey. Look at it, love it. I do love it, actually. Now I can see, but it's really beautiful silver, though. It's a really stunning silver, and that's actually quite trendy at the moment. Some high-profile celebrities have done it, including... Did you see the reboot of Sex and the City? If so, I'm sorry for your loss, but... (laughs) Miranda's gone fully silver. You look like Miranda from And Just Like That. Yes. Uh, you, You look incredible. So... 
it's a good mini act of feminism because on the face of it, it looks like a political act, but in fact, she looks incredibly chic and just French. Um, it's great when that works out. I can't, I can't, because I get these like tiny one or two, three, four up here and a few on the side, and it doesn't look like a political act. It looks like I've let myself go. Um, when it starts to look like a political act, I will be there. I probably won't. Um, but well done. Anyone else got anything? Yes. I didn't wear a bra to work on Tuesday. Tuesday feminism. Fuck it. Let's pretend it's still the lockdown. Absolutely. I think standards have really dropped since the lockdown and I'm really here for it. Do you know what I think? I think standards have polarised since the lockdown because we now appreciate dressing up. We don't just go, oh, the same Navy thing every day. We go, sometimes we can go, I'm going out because out is a new concept. And we do all sorts of makeup. And I did I'm a Feminist, but today I was a bit late. I don't know if anyone saw me coming through the audience. I was a bit late for my call time because um, I put on my magnetic mascara so I could put on my magnetic eyelashes and it all went into my eyes. So it's possible that I'll be legally blind by the end of this hour (laughs) because I don't know what metal in your eyes does yet. Um, I swiped it out a bit. It's probably fine. Can you see it? Oh, good. That means it's like Cleopatra. It's just soaked into the skin. Um, Listen, if I use magnetic eyelashes for the next... if If it knocks, what, I don't know, five years off my life, I feel worth it. Now, it makes such a difference. Anybody else? Yes. I got a man to buy me lingerie from the internet. Uh, hold on, was the lingerie off the internet or was the man off the internet? Because those are very different things. A ma- both were off the internet. So a man was far away on the internet. You haven't met him IRL. You just said to him, what, did you slide into his DMs that said fancy buying me lingerie? It's probably quite a good... If you sent that to 100 men in a day, I reckon you'd get 10 sets. Don't you reckon? What did you get? Oh, so it wasn't what you requested. You just said, buy me lingerie of your... No, I, I have an Amazon wish list. <laughs> you have an Amazon wish list. This really adds to the guilty part of this story. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, getting patriarchal figures to buy you the lingerie you most desire when they owe you nothing is a wonderful act. <laughs> Having an Amazon wish list, that's the guilty part. <laughs> Now, has anyone got an act of feminism they'd like some help with that they think, no, this is actually important? Now we've had some acts that will intimidate nobody. Uh, has anyone got anything where you go, I've got a thing I want signatures for, I want money for, I want help with, I want volunteers for, I want support for, I want uh, publicity for? Has anyone got a thing? Yes. Hi. What's your name? And my name is Kasha. Hi. Hi. Um, so basically, I'm running a fundraiser for um, queer people in Ukraine. Um, so I work with Kiev Pride, who are the main organization uh, in Ukraine, and um, I've been fundraising for them since the war started, but obviously I'm also fundraising for the general Ukrainian population, so like just a part of it goes to the queer people, and the essence of why I focused on that is um, because, for example, there's trans people, there's uh, non-binary people who get who don't get to cross the borders because of their gender markers. There's people who are, you know, in shelters who are not safe because they're with bigoted people who can harass them, who can assault them. So, um, yeah, so I basically started this fundraiser. I've been doing, like, rallies and different things, but it would be lovely if, you know, you could uh, 
chip into the How GoFundMe. How do we chip in? So I have a GoFundMe. A GoFundMe. It's called Queers for Queers. Queers for Queers. Yeah, and um, yeah. So my name is Kasia Tim, and um, so this is for queer people in Ukraine. Yes. Yeah, so it go- so all of it, all of the money is transferred directly to Kiev Pride, who is run, you know, by Kiev Pride. Kiev Pride. Um, who is run by um, queer people who I've, I speak to and I know who they are. And then they explain to me what they spend it on, which is basically running a shelter that's trans and queer friendly. Um, and on top of shelters, it's also, um, you know, getting food. And, but, you know, it, so it, it helps and supports... It supports queer, queer, trans, and, you know, all people queer, that are trans, queer, trans, and, you know, gay, all people who can be ostracized generally. And on top of that, in the situation of war they suffer even more because obviously they are not receiving the same help as a cis white woman would. And, you know, uh, of course, most of them are white, but that's, you know, that's the nature of Ukraine. Like, and so it's called? Queers for Queers. Queers on, for Queers. Or GoFund, on GoFundMe. On GoFundMe. Um, if anyone wants to take their phone out to make a note of that, Thank uh, you. or even make a little donation immediately if you've got one of those straight through PayPal things, now is your opportunity. Make a note on your phone, take a screenshot of it, do whatever you need to do or make a donation. Uh, there's now. more information on the page if anybody wants to like read what actually they do and stuff, but obviously I can't you know, go off just on top of my head. But I would really, really appreciate it, and I'm sure that they would too. Um, and yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Has any anything linked to that, or you think, oh, I know another way I can help? Feel free to wave, uh, shout. If anyone wants to make a donation that anyone else can match, anything like that, uh, wave, interrupt. Uh, if you're not comfortable interrupting, ask a white straight cisgender man to do it for you. Um, no, I do find they're the best at it, and it's not. I'm not having a go at them. I don't want to take their confidence away, except that I would like to vampirically suck a little bit out of it and redistribute it amongst ourselves. Um, all right. Are you ready to start the show proper? Are you ready for some stand-up comedy? We are very lucky to have her. She's a guilty feminist favourite and as always, uh, one of the toasts of the fringe. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for hench herself, the wench herself. It's the wonderful Jessica Foster Q. everyone <laughs> you're right yeah. good um, yeah I'm up here doing a show called Wench it does rhyme with hench um, and um, I'm a feminist but I really wanted to wear heels for this gig but I put them on for the mic check and um, those stairs over there I am um, to get back down them I had to sit down and bump down them like a toddler <laughs> Um, A lot of my show Wench is about feeling sort of not necessarily completely connected to um, the other generations around me. I'm particularly impressed by Gen Z women at the moment. Have we any in? Oh, four. Okay, great. Okay, great. Bit too early. Bit too early for some of them. They're too cool. They're too cool. They're still sleeping from last night. Um, I'm going on a fair, fair, absolutely fair. Um, I think they're splendid. I think the progress they've made is amazing. I've got some Gen Z sisters. I don't mean that in a disgusting, braggy, figurative way. Um, I mean, I've literally got some half-sisters who are still in their late teens. Uh, and the progress they've made is so amazing. <laughs> when I was that age, me and all my women friends, we trained ourselves since school. If we were using a public bathroom, hadn't we? We trained ourselves to trickle our wee-wee out, hadn't we? One or two droplets at a time, hadn't we? Sometimes onto a bed of toilet paper that we'd laid upon the pond like a nest. It was before climate change, don't judge me. <laughs> 
And we'd keep we'd kegel our piss out, wouldn't we? One tiny little bit at a time. Sometimes our wee-wees would take a month to finish, wouldn't they? Because the thought of another woman hearing the pitter-patter of your disgusting urine that you should have learnt to reabsorb like a real lady was so mortifying. Wow, Gen Z women aren't doing that, are they? Good on them. No, none of you shared a public bathroom with a Gen Z woman recently. The only thing you can hear over the sound of their thunderous piss is every now and again one of them will go, does anybody want to borrow my moon cup? It's massive! And that's progress. I love them. I think they're great. One of my sisters is 19. I took her for lunch. Um, nothing makes you feel old. Like when you catch yourself saying to a 19-year-old, so are you seeing anyone? <laughs> and then... I did it, I did it, I said it. And how cool is this? She's fierce. She went, God, no. I find boys my age pathetic. She went, I'm just going to have, like, a hot girl summer. What is that? I've had a look online. I'm not sure anybody knows. Um, From what I can see, it looks exhausting. I hope it's not unambitious or unfeminist not to even bother wanting that. I think I'm just going to aim for, like, a warm woman's spring. <laughs> I've had to modify my language around my son. Um, it, well, what's happened? I'll give you the full backstory. Um, he's six now. When he was two, him and I were in the car, and um, at the back of the car, he went, um, Daddy says, I'll fall crying out loud. <laughs> and I was like, eh. He does actually, yeah. I hadn't really spotted that, but he's sort of always saying that, isn't he? He's almost like a catchphrase. He's always saying that. What does mummy say? Mummy says, fucking fuck. <laughs> no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. No. She says, crumbs alive. <laughs> doesn't she? I think that's what she says. Well, if any of you are feeling involuntary or voluntary feelings of judgment, one, fuck you. <laughs> Two, um, no, uh, you'll be relieved to know it's, um, it's had a surprising consequence, my complete lack of self-control and road rage, in the sense that my son is now the biggest prude I have ever met. He hates bad language and he can sniff it out from a thousand yards. He'd be like, over there, over there, man, over there, over there, behind the bollards, two bollards, down behind a bin, over there, red hair, just did two Fs, and I don't like it. <laughs> Put like Lizzo on and be like, skip that song, skip that song. I don't like that. Too many B words. I don't like that. It's like living with a tiny Mary Whitehouse. The other day we were on a play date with several other families and I banged on my leg and I went, sugar. And he went, well done, mummy, not saying shit. <laughs> I am, I, I am, I do care about parenting. <laughs> I am trying. I will keep trying to be a good parent. There's lots of things I care about. Um, I would love my son to grow up with minimal shame around a few things. I mean, lots of things. I'd love him not to have any embarrassment about having a queer mum. I really don't want him to have, you know, loads of shame around food or drink or bodies. You know, I've hopefully brought him up to be quite curious and passionate when it comes to food and drink. The other day, I was having an alcohol-free beer and... Um, he said, can I try that? And I thought, actually, I can't see the harm. Uh, I don't think I like the taste of beer until I was well into my 20s. I can't see the wow, ye fucking scold it. <laughs> I didn't know a six-year-old could drink like that from a glass bottle. <laughs> to prize it off him. Like, now we'll go out and about. And, you know, you'll go in somewhere and you'll go, can I have Corona? And you have to go, no, no, you can't, no, you can't. It's sick. No, you can't. No, they haven't got it, but he can read now, can't he? So he'll be like, oh, they have. Yeah, I can see it there. And he'll get the bottle and be like, why can't I have it? It hasn't got any alcohol, hasn't even got any caffeine. It's got less sugar than juice. Why can't I have it? And I'll find myself going, because it's not a good look for mummy. And I wanted to share a story with you about um, 
about uh, an aspect of um, coming out as a grown-up. That I, I, and I don't really... Um, I, this isn't in the show, um, because it's still just a story, and I haven't really partic- made it particularly funny yet, I don't think, but I just loved it that this happened. Um, I'd never con- I hadn't considered um, before coming out how hard it would be trying to explain that to a child, because frankly, like, they just don't understand romantic love, right? So how do you say, and you'd be like, well, he, you know, this is my girlfriend. And they'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, all right, yeah, fine. And you're like, okay, great, you know, job done. Is that job done? And he'd be like, yeah, just like Jacob's my boyfriend. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's quite different to that, actually. For context, Jacob is um, one of his oldest friends, um, as in he's known him for the longest. They're only six. Um, <laughs> yeah, they really haven't had time to burn too many bridges yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but because Jacob's four months older and he's like faster, taller and better at climbing, my son idolises him and particularly values his friendship. Uh, but how do you say, like, no, I mean, it's very different to that. Like, fingers crossed, it's quite different to that. <laughs> but all the ways in which romantic love is different to that kind of love aren't really appropriate to say to a six-year-old. You can't be like, well, no, the difference is I want to rip her clothes off. And I, sometimes I feel like I want to live inside her, hopefully, forever. <laughs> I hope that's not how you feel about it. Well, who knows? One day you're allowed to feel like that. But anyway, um, uh, and I sort of, like, we meandered around. You can imagine how crap I was at it. <laughs> It's me. I was like, wow, something's changed. When you're a teenager, you have a thing they call puberty, and then you'll have different sorts of feelings. And then, like, I don't know, it's sort of maybe you want to cuddle, but I don't know, I can't. It's just sort of different to any of the things you'll experience. So it's very hard to explain. It. And he sort of like, took it all in and then went, well, I'll hold his hand, but if Jacob thinks he's getting a kiss on the face, no way! <laughs> uh, because... Thank you very much. Anyone who kisses anyone who isn't their mum is disgusting. <laughs> I mean, again, let's hope he grows out of that as an ideology. <laughs> um, but what's been fascinating to behold is he has now, age six, got his first girlfriend. And um, he's done very well. She's cool as shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's call her Izzy. Um, and, um, oh, the, I want to give you the whole story because I think it's a bit adorable. So it was um, just before the last half term and he, um, he said, I've got a crush on Izzy and she's got crushed, that's how they call it, on me. And I was like, oh, great. I mean, so is that your boyfriend, girlfriend? It's like, no, no, it's crushed and crushed. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Well, anyway, it's a minefield. Um, and he drew her this really elaborate picture that had like a little note hidden inside. He made a belt out of bits of paper for this character he'd, made and in in the secret note it just said I love you I know and I was like oh god I'm a feminist but if she hurts him I'll kill her Uh, that's adorable anyway he waits all of half term to deliver this to her and then the first day back at school I pick him up and uh, I went how did it go giving it and he went oh pretty well she picked it up she read it she clutched it and went this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and I will never forget it in my whole life um, okay, cut forward another day. I get text messages out the blue from Izzy's mum. Is it like a play date? I was like, this is on! This is on, this is proper! I don't think I had a relationship this serious until I was 32. This is extraordinary. How has he done so well already? This is so glorious. Anyway, we have this play date, right? She comes around. She's so cool. She's got very, like, she's got teenager vibes, even though she's a very young child. And they keep whispering, or she keeps whispering, and eventually gets permission from him to be like, okay, well, I have now permission to tell you that we have a crush on each other and so when we're teenagers we're going to go on double dates and then listing all the other kids in their year one class that are in relationships <laughs> inverted commas if you're just listening to this um, 
And then they listed all the places they were going to go on their double dates to, and it was mainly like Nando's. <laughs> Lots of trips to Nando's. And she went, yeah, we'll do double dates with my teenagers, and then just to let you know, when we're in our 20s, we'll do a special cuddle, and then we'll have a baby, and then our lives will be over. <laughs> but <laughs> herein lied the bit that I was most interested in, because I wondered how my son describes his situation at home. You know, essentially, he's got like a mum who's got a girlfriend and he's got a dad. And um, how is he talking about that? What's the language he uses around that? Does he talk about it at all? Um, and I think I got that answered right, because my, my girlfriend, um, Steph, was around the whole time this play date was going on. And then um, she went out. Um, during the play date, she left the house, and this little girl, Izzy, said, um, "Oh, so uh, excuse me, but like that woman, <laughs> that woman there. So does she, <laughs> she went. So does she, um, she just pop around whenever she wants." <laughs> and I went. I thought through the laughter went. No, no, no. So she's just, that's my girlfriend. She's my girlfriend. She lives here. We live here together. And then um, this little girl took this in really seriously and went, oh, oh, well, I mean, it's fine to be gay. Um, but I do actually really want to meet the dad. <laughs> so. <laughs> Why is that so funny? And I, I love this podcast so much, and I, I thought I'd share that with you just as a story before I turn it into anything that resembles stand-up, because that's what sort of actually happened, obviously, with no real names. Um, I think we can conclude that we've made so much progress, but not all. <laughs> not all progress is completed. Thank you. Jessica Foster, Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
It is our seventh birthday show on the 1st of October. Guess where we're going to be? The legendary Hammersmith Apollo. That's right. We are finally live at the Apollo. Confirmed guests include Rachel Paris, Grace Petrie, Kima Bob, Desiree Birch, Susan McComa, and secret surprise musical guests that we're not allowed to talk about yet. Uh, so get your tickets now. We'll be at Ulster Hall in Belfast on the 14th of October, and you can get tickets for all of these shows at guiltyfeminist.com. To support the podcast and get ad-free episodes, go to patreon.com slash guiltyfeminist. And now, back to the podcast. Um, Jess, that's a hilarious story. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's so grown up. For an, oh. It's so funny the difference in that when you're six, some of them are like big babies still, and then some of them are like these yeah. tiny. She says wise it's fun, wizards. fine to be gay, but I want to be with a dad. No, 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 I don't want to be with a dad. She wanted like she was like this is I I hadn't realised I wasn't going to complete the collection of people I needed to meet here. Oh, it was I, that. she wanted it was to like, meet the dad. Oh, it's fine to be gay, but I do really want to meet the dad. Oh, I want to meet the dad. Yeah, I need. I do I'm need sorry. to meet the dad. You know I'm when the sound the dad? If, if you're behind you, you can't always hear the sound. Oh. Oh, no, no. I think I've got everything with yeah. that. No, no, they She didn't want to eat the dad. She didn't want to be no, the dad. No, no. I thought she, she just wanted to meet the dad. With the dad. And she I was saw like, it as an incomplete collection. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure what she said, so I just needed to clarify. I want to meet the dad, like yeah. a Sylvania. Like, well, this is all really nice, but where's the, you know, I want to finish the set. set. Finish the set. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that could be arranged. Mm, well, I don't know. He's not that sociable. Cut that out, please, Tom. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Now, because Edinburgh shows are short, shorter than our normal Guilty Feminist shows, which go on for days. Um, <laughs> they but do. do please they come too, to those. No, they're too long. Um, <laughs> no, everyone knows it. I know it. I can't control it. I don't know what happens. But in this venue, they will just turn the lights out and just start yeah. leading you out the door. So I have to. Well, just another on. play so will start just... happening while we're still sat here. So you'll have another audience all sat on your laps. Oh God! <laughs> it's true. It's true. The Merchant of Venice will just trickle in. Um, so, um, so I need to bring our guest on. But yeah. can I just ask you? Yeah. In a minute or under, how was the wrestling? Oh, I loved it. If you don't know what the wrestling is. It's comedians wrestling professional wrestlers like American wrestling, you know, like the proper, like, glow. So Jess um, did I it. I think you can stream it on Next Up. We had four two-hour training sessions, if that's not allowed to sneak behind the curtains. The first two were basically sort of like, can you sort of move around the ring? And then they started giving you stuff to do. So we spent the first two, all of us going, oh, my God, it's the most fun I've ever had in my life. And then the next two going, I'm shitting myself about doing this stuff. But long story short, it all went fine. No one got hurt. I got to pick up some really big men and throw them on the floor. And I... Did some throwing myself around in ways that was terrifying, but afterwards, I don't think I've ever felt so giddy after any anything I've ever done in my life. It was like so fun to do something that's such a massive physical challenge. I saw a tiny bit of video last night that just showed me in a bar. Um, that's all I've seen. I, I'm glad I didn't see it in real life because people I love were in it, and I can't even watch Glow without going, oh! Um, and I know that you know you're hench but uh, and you work you know you do you do all this lifting but uh but even so like anything like that can go wrong and i was just like i know max looks after them but i was just too anxious but now i know you're alive i really yeah. want to watch it on video and it's the, on next up i think you can the, stream it on next up. the video that i saw jess throws a man you like you and you dive out of the ring into the arms of a man i, th- I did a thing called a, i think it's called a suicida tope <laughs> suicide tope Wow. It's unbelievable. So everyone has to go on Next Up and watch Jess, Sophie Duca, Ro- Rosie Jones, 
Uh, Sakisa. Who yeah. else? Um, Anyone else they know? I mean, there's there'll be other people. Curie, Pritchard McLean. Oh yeah, um, amazing. So many nemesis. guilty feminist favourites. Yeah. And uh, who was it last night? Not Sophie, in life, Sophie in the Duke has said last night in the bar, she said, I want to start a guilty feminist fight club. <laughs> but she... Just I bare, thought just, she meant like shadow boxing. She did no, it. She, she meant in a car park. To the death. Yeah, she meant in a car park. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> modern feminism. Yeah, that will be an underground hashtag on the dark web. Watch for it soon. <laughs> OK, we're going to bring our guest on. Our guest today is a comedian, writer and producer from South London. She has quickly made a name for herself on the comedy circuit with her unique style and has become a regular performer and MC at some of the UK's favourite comedy nights. In addition, she curates and hosts Girl Code, which is a comedy chat show, and Stand Up For Women, which is an annual comedy show raising money for charity. She did the Guilty Feminist live show in Brighton. She's also in the law. She's like a Wonder Woman, and I'm so excited to have her on. Please welcome to the mic, the incredible Sakisa! <laughs> Jess was amazing in the wrestling. You were amazing the, in the all wrestling. All the women were amazing in the wrestling. It was yeah. so great. I'm just so incredibly excited to see it. Now I know you're all alive. <laughs> um, I wasn't wrestling, thank God, but yeah. You're I'm, a proper wrestling I'm a proper fan, wrestling though. Fan, like, so proper, proper, proper. proper. Back, but yeah, it was such a great thing to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I'm just unbelievably proud of everyone who took part. Um, and, Sakita, I want to ask you, you were in the law and still are, despite what appears to be a very successful full-time comedy career in the law. Have you got one of them things that Hermione had in the third <laughs> Harry Potter book where you can take extra lessons and live two full careers really fully because, is it called a time-turner? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen Harry Potter. Cool, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. And I, as I was talking, I was immediately remembering that the author's cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think Harry Potter still means a lot to a lot of people and I think people are allowed to have it, but I don't know it. So I also can't help you. Okay, I'm so great. sorry. I'm sure I'm... Really in... glad I brought it up. It, pays, it also plays a key role in the live, in the play version. Of... Yeah. Get it? Uh, I'm sure... Oh. I, all I know is I'm sure I'm in Hufflepuff. Yeah. Uh, Long story short, yes, I, I have basically got two full-time jobs uh, where I do... But how... I mean... <laughs> Not, I mean, how does she do it all? <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean, I mean that's a lot. I mean, I know how taxing comedy is. Yeah. So or I'm lazy. <laughs> no, it, it is um, full time. Like I'm an immigration lawyer. Then I do stand up and burlesque slash cabaret shows in the evening. You do burlesque as well. Yeah. As stand up comedy, and you're very successful. I mean, people can do a bit of stand up comedy, but you're a very successful comedian, and you're an immigration lawyer. Yeah. So I gig. If it was in London, I gig like five, six times a week, and then um, I that rounds with everything. And then I work four days a week. I used to work five days a week as an immigration lawyer. Then I work four days a week because I was like, oh. I can't. I need a day off. I need one day off. What's the difference between immigration law and comedy? <laughs> <laughs> not not much really. But both people, both times, you you've got slash clients and audience members looking at you going, can you do this job? Um, <laughs> um, and you have to have, like... For me, I'm not very good with words, which I, I know it's really interesting doing stand-up comedy, um, but I do quite a lot of advocacy in immigration. So I do, like, representing people in tribunal hearings. Um, there's a comic on the circuit who actually has a show that talks about her immigration matter, which I helped her with. Um, and it's... Um, it's interesting when you do people's tribunal hearings because you have to talk and you have to represent someone in like a way 
like makes it seem convincing like they should stay in this country mm. and I don't have that personality to do that to be convincing um, a lot of times but I do my job very well because um, I've been in it for a very long time it's just that this immigration system is very different than it was six seven years ago I can't think what you mean um, <laughs> can you tell us anything about this policy that the government has now to send refugees to Rwanda um, yeah it's ridiculous um, yeah. that's number one <laughs> um, um, I find it, yeah, so they have this policy where if an asylum seeker comes into this country, because asylum seekers will come into this country mostly illegally, um, so they will come in via lorries, trucks, um, or um, via boat, as you can see from the news, um, they will try and send them to Rwanda for their asylum claim to be decided there, which is a ridiculous country to be, because they don't have human rights there themselves, really, in certain aspects, so... Um, and they've made this agreement, which I think is really stupid, um, with Rwandan government, and have actually realised in the last couple of weeks that how some people are actually not safe being there. Yeah. So they have to relook at this policy now. Um, Big surprise. Yeah, but isn't that isn't it a deterrent that people know they're not going to be safe there, so they think, oh, I can't go to the UK because then I'll get sent to Rwanda and then I'll be unsafe again? Yeah. Um, I don't know where they thought Rwanda was. I was like, Rwanda's not even a great place to go. I don't know where they thought this would be great. Even like certain, when it was, when we were part of the European um, Union, when they tried to send people back to other European countries mm. that they had been set foot in, countries like Italy, they yeah. classed as not being safe and welcoming. But Italy? Italy. Um, because I'd rather go to how, Italy than Rwanda. But, yeah, honest. because of how they treated the asylum seekers um, wow. um, in Italy. Mm. They wouldn't give them accommodation or money um, whilst the asylum claim was being pending. So yes. they just made it, it, it got to a point where they were decided we want, we can't send them back to Italy. Right. So it was high court cases and stuff like that. So even with Rwanda's situation, people have been given flights to Rwanda. We have to try and stop the flights and that's a whole immigration tribunal slash high court situation. That means time, money, staying up all night to try and stop these flights, legal arguments um, to argue why these people can't be removed. Um, and a lot of these people haven't been assessed um, mm. adequately in terms of their mental health. Um, right. Some people have come and have suffered trauma um, in their own country where they're fleeing persecution. Um, so it is, and they haven't been, they've been detained but not been adequately assessed. So you have to make so many arguments um, to do that. Well, I mean, well, everyone who comes here as a refugee is traumatised, aren't they? And so to then be shipped to Rwanda, especially if you've come from uh, you've taken this incredibly long dangerous journey it must just be soul crushing yeah to be then shipped somewhere else where you know that there isn't a robust human rights policy yeah. but speaking of places where there isn't a robust human rights policy when we were in the EU we were bound by EU human rights what is happening with Brexit and our human rights so in terms of Brexit regardless of what the government tell you Brexit was about immigration and they basically want to change the human rights policy and laws in this country because it's so broad and open that even if you are arguing, for example, that your um, Article 8, which is your right to family and private life in this country, have been breached and a Home Office or government deny you that, you can go to a European court and appeal against that decision. So they want to change all of that. So they want to change all our human rights so it's less restricted, um, so it's less easier for people to get their lease to remain in this country because they realise that quite a lot of people were actually bypassing the immigration system. Um, 
by using their human rights in this country. In this, do you, in the sense that if they've got kids, they can say yeah, it's part of kids. our. We, you'd be breaching Article Eight to yeah, not let us stay with our exactly. family so or be here. With if you've got a British child in this country, and like I see both yeah. ends of it yeah. from from an immigration point mm-hmm. of view, I understand we have to have an immigration system in this country which is fair and safe, and there are people out there who use the immigration system to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people out there. But at the same time, you have to look after the people that who are generally in need to remain in this country because they yeah. can't go back to their home country. One of the first questions I ask my clients is, why is it that you can't return back to your yeah. home country? Regardless of what's happening, that's the first question I ask because then you can figure out why is it, if there's a way that we can like, get these applications submitted, what kind of route we're going down, what kind of representations I'm going to be making. Mm-hmm. But it's better, better to cover every single base about why you can't return back to your home country, whether it's because of medical care or because of the country situation or because of your own family, private life in this country. That's, you have to consider all of that. But also, you do have some people that just go, I don't want to go back. Yeah. And that's it. And you're like, but why? And they're just like, I just don't want to go back. And that's more difficult. And then, well, in that case, we don't know what the, that's like, that could be, they could have the worst reason, like, you know, well, a huge yeah. reason not to want to go back, but not have the capacity to articulate it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm or like, shame, etc. Like, there are so many places where it's uh, illegal to be quit, and you, yeah. you can get killed for that. And then, and but you ultimately, might feel you shame might be, yeah, saying, but you yeah. don't then want to yeah. come here and risk saying those words out loud yeah. to one of the first people you meet because you don't, you've never had anyone to trust on that front. Exactly. It's fucked up. And actually, for that process to ever be effective, so much care and considerate. It has to be such a care, ima- like, it's a really tricky thing to approach that as carefully enough to get also, people to like feel safe enough to say their real reasons. But and even, actually, yeah. people aren't even having their mental health assessed, let alone the time taken to really be able to find that stuff out genuinely but in a way that looks when, after people. I agree. Even when you have people who um, are making these claims, for example, based on their sexuality, mm-hmm. the questions that the Home Office asks oh. them are so invasive yeah. that you can see that they are retracting from themselves yeah. because they feel so like attacked and being like their personal life is out on the on the yeah. on the cutting board for the Home Office to destroy, mm. where they're asking very quite invasive questions that you would never ask someone in this day and age. Yeah. We've had say it loud on a few times who are the charity run and for by LGBTQ plus refugees. And the things people are asked is a really shocking but also just even not prurient, but like you don't look like a lesbian. Yeah. It's like well, what does a lesbian now. look like? But yeah. also if you look like a lesbian in Uganda, what, what the Home Office mean when they say look like a lesbian, you're dead. Yeah. So it's yeah. no... And you haven't been raised with that iconography. There's so many different reasons why you're not going to step off the plane looking like what someone at the Home Office might think a lesbian, in inverted commas, looks like. It's such an absurd thing to say. Um, so, yeah, I can absolutely see why you may not feel comfortable, especially with the current cabinet, mm. to sit and just, oh, yeah, I'll tell you everything. Mm. Um, so it must be a very, very difficult job. I mean... Yeah, and like having, these people have left their homes, left their country, left their families on the majority of times, and, and they've like, spent sometimes thousands of pounds just to like get over here yeah. for then the Home Office to go, no, and then they're stuck here. Some people like, go on the ground and then they're here for years, and I don't know... I really don't, like, I can't even sometimes support myself and I have two jobs um, in, in London. And some people 
when you hear that they've been in this country for years and just going on the support of the community that they have around them mm. is so sometimes so destroying that this mm -hmm. is the world that we're living in. Is there anything we can do to preserve our human rights? Because it's all of our human rights that well, Amnesty International is calling what the Tories are doing now a rights raid. Yeah. Um, they are oh. just sweeping, because they've got a majority, they're sweeping just these bills through, you know, your right to protest is going, uh, borders going, there's all sorts of rights that are just being taken away. Is there anything that you think we could do to help other than make noise about it and uh, write Stop for Stop voting for that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't think many of our <laughs> listeners are voting Tory, are they? I don't know. Maybe yeah. we need to talk to our dads. Yeah, can we talk to our dads? Can we please talk to our dads? Our grandparents, please, also. Let's do that. I think the um, conversation to have is if you if just don't vote at all, if you if you think the only th box you can tick is Tory, yeah, just don't step just, back, have a day off, well, also, have that day off. Just tell them the elections a different day of the week this year, and you'll drive them there, and then drive them there the day after. And go, I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> That's not right. I, I generally think it's for us. Um, I talk about immigration in my stand-up comedy because I don't I don't want to be like preachy. I yeah. want to do it in a way that it's an education because people don't understand the immigration system in this mm. country. And I generally think if we talk to young people about how if you, certain choices that they make or don't make can change the demographic of their lives um, and the things they don't want to see on the news, like the the, the deaths that you see at uh, border controls um, at Dover and, and places like that, it's horrendous. You don't want to be seeing them on the TV. If you don't want to be seeing them on the TV, then you need to be educated about certain things. So I think talking to young people is probably the best way forward. Um, and obviously just like signing campaigns, petitions, um, hopefully this human rights thing won't happen if we like all raise our voices against it and just being able to support. The one thing I really love, actually, I would say, is more money back into legal aid. Yeah. Well, the barristers are all, they're yeah. all currently striking. Yeah. Because when it got cut in 20, I think it was 2011, mm. when it got cut funding-wise, a lot of people, and then 2012 is when the immigration rules changed. When the legal aid got cut, so many people were no longer able to get legal aid. Then they ended up messing up their immigration matters because they forgot about certain things. They couldn't pay for a solicitor and stuff like that. And there was no funding for these people to get assistance and help. So I think if we put money back into legal aid and actually, number one, pay our solicitors. I work in legal aid. I know exactly what it's like. Pay our solicitors properly. Then we won't be on strike, number one. And also pay our women. Because um, so, um, um, I don't want to see the floors dirty. Um, um, yeah, so I just think we just need to put more money into that. But where are we going to get this money? I don't know. Please I'm sure it's going to be Liz Truss's first priority. Isn't it? First oh, thing God. she'll do is, is go, oh, legal aid could do with a bit more money. Um, we just must have Skeeter back on as soon as possible yes, to talk please. more because you were so fascinating. And Skeeter to do brilliant stand-up. Yeah, I want you to do more brilliant stand-up. But can I ask you what your show is about and why everyone should go and see it? And are there any tickets? Yes, my show is called Life of the Party. It's at 8.25 at the Pleasance Courtyard. Um, it's all about having, like, 
having a good time, basically, but I'm also about interactions that I have with people at one particular house party, which is raises questions about immigration, race, uh, sexuality, feminism. Uh, so come along, it's all about having a good time, basically, and celebrating your best life. And, and you're at the Soho Yeah, September. and they've just had a Soho run announced. Yay! So come and see that. Um, it's on the 22nd to the 24th of September. Or I'm in Manchester in October. Come and see the show. Then. Amazing. Yes. Um, well, that sounds incredible. It sounds like a Trojan horse uh, for feminism uh, wrapped in a big guilty party just up our streets. Everyone go and see it. Are there any tickets left at the Pleasance? They are tickets. Please come buy tickets. Don't okay. Tickets. So, uh, <laughs> this weekend's quiet. So if, if you, what's the show time? 8.25. 8.25. Pleasance Court, you life of the party. If you don't have a ticket uh, for 8.25 tonight, go and see uh, Sakisa. Otherwise, if you're still here around tomorrow or the next day, get your tickets now because that sounds like an ideal show. If you've loved this show... You are going to love that show. Jess Foster Q, what's your show and are there any tickets or any extra shows? Um, there's no more extra shows, but I think there are still a, a handful of tickets for the weekend. Great. And what time are you 4. on? 4.45. It's called Wench. It's in Monkey Barrel. And then it's on tour from September till the end of November. So it's coming It's coming back to Edinburgh. It's coming everywhere. So Great. If you can't come this weekend, please come and see at the stand on Go tour. see Wench. And we are back here tomorrow and Sunday... Uh, can I have, before I bring on our incredible closing act, can I have a huge round of applause for Sakisa? <laughs> and the incredible Jess Foster-Pew. Please welcome to the stage. Please welcome to the stage. It's like Graham Norton, you stay on. Please welcome to the stage. She is doing a show that I saw yesterday that has no music in it, and it made me roar with laughter, but it also made me cry quite a lot. It is the most necessary show on the fringe, in my opinion. It's saying something genuinely new. And if you are people who feel very, uh, as I do, fragile about the way the left fights itself, and especially uh, on the issue of gender fluidity, you absolutely have to see the show, which is full of heart and compassion and healing and bridge building and integrity. Uh, but today, she's singing you a song. You don't have to worry about any of those things. Please welcome to the stage, the incredible Grace Petrie! <laughs> What an important and powerful uh, conversation I was just listening to backstage there. Uh, these guys, not someone else in the dressing room. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, um, and, uh, you know... <laughs> just to make it clear. Um, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but... Um, I, I, I think... What are the cast saying? Hey? of the virtue of the better saying. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew enough Shakespeare to make a joke back. Oh, to be or not to be, I don't know. Um, uh, the, I, I agree with everybody on stage, but I agree with Jess Foster. Stop voting for the fucking Tories, guys. Stop voting for the Tories. I wrote this song uh, when the Tories first got in in 2010, and I wrote it as this sort of really exaggerated like worst case scenario of what might happen if the Tories got in and they have absolutely broken every one of my expectations for cruelty and incompetence in Britain and uh, I think that we're heading for a fucking difficult winter I think we're heading for hard times ahead and I think we just have to do something to change the direction that we're heading in in Britain I really do this is called Farewell to Welfare um, I wrote it about Theresa May but you can, you can sub in <laughs> Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak or any of those fucking bastards. It goes like this. It's never 
too late to recapture the benefits of section 28 and it's never too wild to slash benefits for single mums the only victim is the child and oh who's gonna be my Billie Jean King and I'll say who's gonna be my Harvey Milk and on the steps of Parliament well they're demonstrating but what's this when they're all cut from the same eaten silk I'll say farewell farewell to welfare and we've got a recession to be so let's put more money into the monarchy and a millionaire in Downing Street and someone's got to foot the bill let's start with the disabled and the mentally ill and if I keep my receipts can I claim back the mistakes and the lives ruined by this government or in another 18 years of budget cuts and tears Will the people pay for those just like we pay your rent And say farewell, farewell to welfare So give me change, give me equality Give me a minister for women that don't fucking represent me Give me a decent, honest Nick who's on the level Until the first glimpse of power he'll make a deal with the devil And you tell me that this is democracy And you tell me that it ain't no old boys club And as the thousands march on Westminster And look how quickly their demands are So you'll find me in the pub Raising a toast To the ghost Of welfare And I used to dream Of a Britain Where I'd be Proud to bring up kids These days I'd settle for a Britain where I'd be allowed to bring up kids and Mrs May if I may be so bold as to say that your archaic view of family holds no relevance today and if you think that honest people really should be turned away from IVF and B&Bs just because they're gay I suggest you stop requesting that we continue to pay our taxes to a party that's held us back all the way so I'll take my business and my produce and my income tax elsewhere I'll say farewell farewell to welfare I'll say farewell farewell to welfare and I'll say to hell
you have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Jessica Foster-Q and my very special guest, Sakisa, with music from Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge. The recording engineer was Hamish Campbell. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinsky. Thanks to Bjorn, Jody, Karen, all and everyone at The Guilty Balloon, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from ACAST. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.